welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and today we have the audio from our podcasting meetup that we held at Variant Edition on January 24th. It was a great conversation on how to promote your podcast, featuring three local podcasters, Kevin Horick of Building the Future, Erica Ensign of Verity, and Dan Clark of The Worst Podcast Ever and the Northern Content Network. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by CKUA Radio, which is in the middle of another great season of the Trans-Canada Music West podcast. It shares the best live music that Western Canada has to offer, and you'll hear more about that from host Grant Stovall later in the show. So now, uh, sit back and listen to the audio from the Edmonton Podcasting Meetup on Let's Talk About Promoting Your Podcast. So welcome to the third Edmonton Podcasting Meetup. Thanks for coming on a beautiful day. Um, my name is Karen Unland, and I host a podcast called Seen and Heard in Edmonton, where I talk to local bloggers and podcasters about their work. And uh, and I also that's where I put post the audio for this. So we're recording this, and this will be up at some point. If you want a reminder of what you heard, if you want to share it with somebody else, uh, thank you to Variant Edition for hosting us today, letting us invade your your multi purpose rumpus room here yes <laughs> uh like i said we're recording so if that's uh, you I, I think you are either pod your podcasters or pod curious people so i think you're okay with that but just a warning uh, and this will be up sometime in february directly to my right here is kevin horrock he interviews entrepreneurs startup founders investors and others who are following their dreams on building the future which is not only a podcast, but also a radio show on WDJY 99.1 FM in Atlanta. <laughs> and it'll be an interesting story to figure out how that happens. So sure. Please welcome <laughs> Kevin. Oh, well. <laughs> Hashtag teaser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beside him is Erica Anson, who uh, admits she is podcast happy. She might have just started a podcast since we started right now. That's quite likely. Yeah. <laughs> um, besides being part of the rotating cast of hosts on Verity, which a podcast about Doctor Who from a woman's perspective. Uh, she co-hosts Lazy Doctor Who and the Audio Guide to Babylon 5 and is a panelist on The Incomparable, which is also a podcasting network. Yes, that's a whole network. Yeah, mm-hmm. did I miss anything? Uh, yeah, on The Incomparable Network, there is a video slash audio podcast called Total Party Kill, where me and a bunch of friends get together and play Dungeons and Dragons on the internet. And uh, so you can watch it on YouTube or listen to the podcasts as they come out. We usually play for like four hours and then chop that up. Um, there's also a new mystery podcast on The Incomparable called, called Afoot, which I am a sometime panelist on. Uh, there's another podcast that will be starting up in the Incomparable Network that is uh, reading old science fiction books, which we don't have a name for yet, but it might be called Headcanon. And then there's the Uncanny Magazine podcast. Uncanny Magazine is a magazine of fantasy, science fiction, uh, interviews, poetry that has a podcast that goes along with it. I co-produce the podcast along with my husband and read some of the stories and the poems each month. And I think that's it, but yeah, you're right. I could have started another one. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, and directly to your right is uh, Dan Clark. He's an organizing force behind the Northern Content Network, which uh, brings together Canadian podcasts and YouTube channels, particularly those hosted by comedians, I think would be. Um, so far, yeah, we're, we're trying to branch out as much as possible, though. Yeah. Yeah. And he also co hosts a podcast called The Worst Podcast Ever mm-hmm. with Alex Wharton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so thanks for coming. Um, so just super uh, general to start, how and why did you first get into podcasting, Dan? Um, 
just comedy. Comedy, I think, is uh, holds like some of the biggest kind of uh, I don't know market slice for podcasting. So um, being in like stand up comedy and that kind of thing, you just kind of get into it eventually. A lot of times we were on the road for you know upwards of five or six hours, and so you need something to do. Mm-hmm. So started listening to like. Uh, WTF with Mark Marin, and then that just kind of branched out into a bunch of other stuff. Because it's definitely a whole community of people in Edmonton and around the world who yeah. are inspired by those bigger name guys. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice because, like, when with uh, comedy, you, there's a lot of traveling that happens, so there's a lot of opportunity to get like certain guests on local stuff that we normally wouldn't be able to get um, uh, otherwise. Like, we have one of the people on the the network. He's a young kid, and he works at the, one of the comedy clubs in the city, and he gets some of the the bigger names in comedy just because he has that nice little in with the club, so it's been nice seeing kind of the international stuff we can get mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. far. So Great. Yeah. Erica, why did you start podcasting and how? Um, well, I kind of got into podcasting through a comedy podcast. Uh, the first podcast I ever heard of was the Nerdist podcast, mm-hmm. and I started listening to that. And um, Chris Hardwick, the host, and Kyle Anderson, who writes the Doctor Who articles for the Nerdist website, were both interviewed on an Edmonton podcast called Radio Free Scarrow. And at the time, I didn't know about podcasting, and I was my mind was blown because, oh my god, there's a whole podcast about Doctor Who. Little did I know there were like 80 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I started listening to that, and on their show, heard about a bunch of other podcasts that were Doctor Who related, so started getting into this whole Doctor Who podcast community on Twitter, and met a bunch of people when I went to conventions. And my co-host Deb had been, for years, uh, bemoaning the fact that there were no female voices in the world of Doctor Who podcasting. There was one podcast that had two women talking specifically about the science in Doctor Who, and that was about it. You get a, a girl on a podcast here or there. And finally somebody was like, put your money where your mouth is, Deb, start a podcast. And, uh, so we, along with four other women, were just like, all right, let's let's do this. And that's how it started and yeah I think I'm a podcastaholic because it was so much fun I just kept joining more (laughs) I need to get the timeline right did you know your husband Stephen who's one of the three from Radio Free Scarrow before or after I met him through his podcast I'm actually from uh, Madison Wisconsin in the United States and started talking to him and hearing his podcast on Twitter and that is how we met and because three years later, here I am living in Edmonton. So. The nerd should do a story on you. Yeah. <laughs> Was that love at first soundbite? Yeah. Well said, well said. Okay, well, awesome. we need to get Robin from The One to do a story about you and Stephen. Yeah. Hey, The One is a podcast that Robin Wilson does about true love stories. And uh, definitely we need to do engineer that. Uh, Kevin, how and why? Well, my story is a little bit different from these guys. I wanted to launch a podcast for probably a decade, but I was scared to do it, to be 100% honest with you. And, and part of the reason I never did it was just my fear of like public speaking. And that was kind of why I kind of got into it. Um, I didn't even plan on starting the show when the show happened, started last year. Um, basically what happened was I got asked to be on a radio show in Atlanta, and I thought, I wasn't, they were looking for business owners and I, I'm not a business owner and, um, I work in tech though. So I like, I've been kind of wanting to do this for a number of years and I was like, well, I'm not a business owner, but are you guys looking for anybody else to do a show? Because I thought, well, I'm thinking about doing this for a long time 
and I'm scared to do it. And I thought, well, if I have a radio show, I'm accountable to somebody weekly. And I have to do it because if I just say, oh, I'm going to just release episodes every month or every week or whatever, I'm never going to do it because it's been five plus, probably closer to about a decade I've been pondering this. And so the lady's like, I don't know, but I'll pass your information along. This is all through LinkedIn, and we can get into my LinkedIn story later if you really want, or outside of this. But uh, so I, I asked her, I said, well, are you guys looking for anybody else? She's like, I don't know, I'll pass you along. So I had a talk with the lady at the radio station a couple days later, and she, I pitched her my idea. She's like, sure, you have to go through 12 weeks of media training, which was kind of a little bit of a joke but that's okay <laughs> whatever it was good it was good um but uh so yeah so I basically became like a radio host and now the show just gets turned into a podcast but I don't really do anything different than podcasting I just send them the mp3 file and and then upload it online as well. So. <laughs> so right now you were mentioning before that we started the show that your your radio audience is much bigger than your podcast oh, audience. The radio, like, it's funny because I work as a creative director of a software company. And so I'm always playing with kind of the latest stuff and I always have the latest smartphone and computer and all that fun stuff. And so I kind of thought like FM radio, that's got to be going nowhere right like it's got three to five years left you know whatever um but and i thought the show would do better as a podcast and boy am i have i been wrong so just last quarter alone the fm numbers are like over two hundred thousand, and in the same quarter the podcast is about just over five thousand. so I, I and why i say that is i think we're at the beginning of podcasting and I've had people write to me and say, oh, like I'm scared to get into podcasting because like there's so many podcasts. It's like, well, there's so many websites or there's so many blogs. Like, where you're not going to launch a website or blog because other people are doing it? it there's just seems... so many people. You're still a person. Exactly. Like <laughs> it, it just seemed kind of odd to me. And so and I didn't have the numbers at the time, but I think just for like anybody here, if you're thinking about doing it, like. There's no better time than right now, right? And look, you plug a mic into a computer. It's all I do. Sometimes I record it in a closet at work because the acoustics sound good, right? It's not this, like, big, elaborate studio. It's just funny to me, right? One of our podcasts, the one that my husband and I do together, is called Lazy Doctor Who because we decided we wanted, after all of our other podcasts, we wanted one with no rules um, and no work. So we just, half the time we use our fancy recording studio, but half the time we just sit on the couch with his iPhone and just be like, this is a From the Couch episode, everybody. And it's like, that's awesome. Super easy. So Verity is uh, quite a popular podcast in a very um, crowded space, as you noted. Doctor Who already was a big thing. Mm -hmm in podcast land before you even knew about it. So how did you find your first listeners and how have you grown your audience? Uh, well, we did have the the boost of having Radio Free Scaro um, sort of as a, a launch pad kind of because, you know, Stephen being my spouse and actually my co-host Kat, who also lives in Edmonton, her partner Chris is one of Stephen's co-hosts on Radio Free Scaro. Very incestuous. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> And they are, I think, probably without any doubt, the biggest Doctor Who podcast in the world. So, I mean, probably there's no better launching pad than than that. So they gave us a a bump there. Also, um, among my co-hosts, there were people that sort of had their own fan bases to start with. Um, Several of them were Hugo Award winners, um, authors, well-known archivists, like that kind of of people. I was not one of those people. I did not bring a fan base at all. (laughs) 
I brought the button pushing. That's what I brought. Yeah. So we had kind of a nice cushion to start off with of, of people talking about it. I think the most work that that I did, and I don't think anybody else did quite as much, was on social media, just really trying to get the word out and, you know, going through, following any account that mentioned Doctor Who and, you know, not not being pushy, but just really making sure that, that I did as much as I could to, to get our faces out there, so to speak. Yeah. Sure. We'll come back to the meetup, but first I want to share a little bit more information with you about the Trans Canada Music West podcast that CKUA Radio puts out. It's got the best live music that Western Canada has to offer, and uh, here's your chance to hear more about that from host Grant Stovall. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by CKUA Radio, which has a new season of the Trans Canada Music West podcast ready for your ears. And joining me today is CKUA Morning Man Grant Stovall, who also hosts the Trans Canada Music West podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. You often have a chance to interview the band, which is a nice value add as well. The interviews for me personally are very rewarding as I'm the guy that gets to chat with these guys. So frequently you get an interesting perspective on their live performance just from talking to them about it. Like, you know, Roco Code, another great West Coast group we recorded in Victoria, asked them about their set and they said, it was so dark we could barely see anything because they had told the lighting guy, let's go with a really dark theme for this set. (laughs) And they said it was so dark they literally couldn't see their instruments and these are like, they play a lot of different really technical instruments in this band. And so, you know, I can only imagine how tricky that must have been. So it's kind of neat knowing that as a listener and, and, and soaking up the live set and sort of getting a little bit of a glimpse behind the curtain, I guess. Uh, you too can hear the best live music Western Canada has to offer. Just subscribe to Ta- Trans Canada Music West in iTunes. And you can also find it on CKUA's website at ckua.com. Uh, Dan, what have you done to, to build an audience for both the worst podcast ever, but also the Northern Content Network and its members? Um, for the Northern Content Network, we just... We try to just promote other people's stuff as much as possible, um, whether through Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, like social media, that kind of thing. Um, try to get as many people from those podcasts on our podcast to try and like kind of cross collaborate things, and uh, it's been it's been okay. We don't know if it's like added a significant boost to a lot of people, but it's nice to see that we can kind of just get everybody on one page and promote just Canadian stuff, mm-hmm. and then for our own. Um, the new and noteworthy section on iTunes gave us a nice little boost, and then that's kind of given us some more loyal listeners. So we've seen a, an increase almost every single month uh, and every week since we've started, and uh, it seems to be holding pretty steady. So uh, we're not sure what really we're doing there, but yeah. it's a really bare-bones podcast. We don't edit. We don't pre-recordings or anything like that. We just kind of talk for an hour, and then that's it. Yeah. So. Could you tell what got uh, what got you into new and noteworthy? Like, do you know what you um, did to get there? Uh, we just started submitting to iTunes. Uh, before that, the podcast started out as Alex's, and he's the he's the main host, and he just had it on like Podbean, and I think that was about it. And then eventually, we were like, well, when I came on, we talked about trying to just make it bigger, and then. He's like, well, I want to get it on iTunes, but I don't know how. And then we just looked it up, and then we just, if you have an RSS feed, you can get it on iTunes. Yeah. And Apple's algorithms are 
very they're very secretive about that, so it's kind of hard to tell exactly what gets you where. Um, but one of the things that I've heard, I mean, uh, the Incomparable Network is run by Jason Snell, who was the one of the main editors of MacWorld magazine for many many years. So I hear about this stuff a lot. Uh, one of the big best guesses is that um, if especially if you're a new podcast and your numbers grow a certain amount week, totally. week upon week. Yeah. You have that eight will, weeks to do it from mm-hmm. launch. Yep, then mm-hmm. that will possibly get you. So, like, we were in the new and noteworthy section in, like, one country. We're in five, mm-hmm. like, our podcast hosts are in five different countries, but uh, or four different countries now. Um, but, but yeah, so we ended up, like, I think it was in either in Canada's or, like, the UK's, but not in the United States's or something like that. Like, yeah, it's very and, strange. And I'm not really sure. Like, we were on there for a little bit, and then we had um, we had one podcast that got, it's our most listened to. It's, um, we talked to a girl who was, uh, she's an ex-Jehovah's Witness, and it's it's probably one of the more interesting ones that I've ever heard or been a part of, and it's one of my favorites, and then just hashtags and stuff seem to get us a lot of listens on that one, so... Mm-hmm. That was a really good episode. I like Thank that you. One. No, that was yeah. one of our favorites. She's yeah. a super cool, the other, cool girl. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I read, a lot of people, to get on new and new noteworthy, you have eight weeks from the launch. Launch two or three episodes your first eight weeks. And then there's other ways about social media. I'm a little bit more ruthless, I think, on social media than you guys. And anybody that knows me knows that I've been adding people on LinkedIn for a number of years, and it started off kind of as a joke. And, and like, people have laughed at me. Like, why would you just randomly add people? But... It's pretty much gotten me all my guests, any other accomplishments. It got me the radio show, you know, um, just signed a TV show deal for the radio show. So, like, it's all because of, like, social networking. Um, like, I literally go find whoever, like, I'll go to type in Google and, then like, go, like, second connections, just, like, add people. And, you know, I do that at, and like... Yes, but do you get date requests? Date request. <laughs> well, That's being a, a male, no. no yeah. um, as female, for sure. But I think part of it is is just like I'll go after the people that I potentially want to have on the show, and some of them will eventually say, "Hey, you have a show. Can I be on it?" And you're like, "Of course you can." And then they're trying to like sell you on it. Mm-hmm. Um, as for other social media, um, I have some friends that kind of work in marketing in like L.A. and Hollywood. It sounds kind of like trendy. And I sat down with them and I said. How do you guys do this for these big brands? Because I know there's got to be a bit of kind of like cheating the system, right? And you can go, there's, there's ways to do it. And I'll, I'll tell you kind of how they told me to do it. It's basically what you do is you create your Twitter account and go buy some followers. You don't buy followers because you want them long term. What you want with buying followers, and you can buy couple thousand you don't have to buy like and that costs you anywhere from five to fifty dollars like it's pretty inexpensive super cheap yeah so what you want with those followers because they'll all drop off probably within two three months you have that much of a window what you do is you basically get it gives you a little bit like i'm legit even though you're you're it's kind of like the fake it before you make it is easy way to say it and i get some of this is kind of controversial but yes the big brands I'm do it so hard i'm cringing so no, hard. no 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 but, no no <laughs> but i tell you this because they all do it like yeah. and what got me started because i was kind of like no there's no way but like go look at all the shark tank um people go look at their followers a lot of them are garbage followers and i'm not saying they necessarily do it but there's sites like like nation it's called where all the major pop stars and celebrities are on there where they basically, and it's all their verified accounts. And how those things work is you have to literally like launch their profile and like click like or follow or whatever. And then it, 
basically validates that you actually followed them and then you get points and you can buy credits and there's a whole game to it and I don't really play that but I was kind of like I have to see this for myself and sure enough all the big brands like name any pop star any big celebrity they all do this stuff and I thought okay so I'll try it I thought if Twitter bans me who cares I haven't even recorded an episode I'm still in media training I got 12 weeks to go let's try this thing bought a couple thousand followers started then I have this other app called Crowdfire which I was like, well, how am I going to get legitimate followers? Because the whole idea is to say, well, I got a couple thousand followers now. Like one tweet saying launching soon. So um, so then I, what I do is you just crowd. I went and searched for top tech journalist lists on Twitter. And so there's hundreds of them by like Business Insider and all the other like big kind of magazines. And I'll go copy all their followers. And I was like ruthless at it for months and months and months. And I do it, still do it, like a couple times a week. And I'll unfollow other people that don't follow me back. And that's basically, in a lot of ways, how I got a lot of guests and um, how I grew the show. The other thing, too, is, I know this is, you're going to hate this. Yeah, I um, hate it. But the, okay. <laughs> the automated, like, message yeah. is I'll just send them saying, like, thanks for following. If you think you'd be a good guest for the show, like, oh. write back to me, right? And here's my, like, contact information. And I know, like, people say it's lazy, and y- it is kind of lazy, but I work full time. This is kind of like a weird side project that kind of took off for me. So for me, it's working. And so is that bad? Well, it's some days I think some days I can't do it and other days I'm like, well, it's working and it's getting me really good guests. And I'm following people that follow these top tech bloggers. Right. And then I also write for a tech blog out of Los Angeles. So it's kind of helping me in not just the radio show and slash podcast. It's it's helping me in kind of a bunch of different spaces. And, you know, just doing this, I'm at over 18,000 followers now. All the ones that I bought are long gone or Twitter's banned them or blocked them. But it's the whole idea of just being able to get enough connections that you can start adding legitimate people to like backfill the garbage that's going to eventually disappear. And like like all the big brands are doing it. It was the big thing. And I could validate that. And I was like, well, I'm going to join them and see how this goes, right? I wonder how much of that also is there's different norms in the business tech journalism space than there would be in pop culture or comedy, I think. Like, authenticity is important. In it is. In it is. Idea. I know a lot of people, myself included, that when I'm looking at people to follow on, t- on Twitter, if I see they have, like, 20,000 followers and they're following 20,000 people, I will not follow that person. <laughs> and if I get one of those automated messages back in a DM after I follow somebody, I usually unfollow right yeah, away. See, <laughs> see it's, so, like, totally controversial, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's just me. And I'm, if that's a thing that's working for you, by all means, give it a try and do it. But I think, especially in the geek community, like, being yourself is, is a huge, huge thing. So, if there was a, a whiff of that on any Doctor Who podcast, there would be probably a, a pretty big backlash. And I mean, I know people. I know people who have you know tens and hundreds of thousands of Twitter, Twitter followers who didn't get there that way, but they had a lot of luck going in. So I mean, there's not necessarily a, a good way to get a bunch of followers without cheating the system, so to speak. That's not something that we've ever done. But what do you think? Yeah. Um, for the comedy. <clears throat> The comedy world and like Twitter followers, I don't know. It's it's impressive to see somebody that has that. Um, I've seen people with a lot of followers that have bought them and, and haven't. And it's nice, but uh, for us, it's it's like it's kind of weird because if you see a comedian with a lot of followers, it's like yeah, but you're just like you're still 
only working in Edmonton, you know what I mean? Right. And that's not super impressive to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> as, a, as a comedian, as a comedian, yeah. right? like yeah. if, yeah, if you've fair. got 100,000 followers as a comedian, people are like, oh, they've got, look at all these people, they, they must mm-hmm. be really good at comedy. But if you're, if you're good at comedy, you're not just going to be working in Edmonton. Yeah. Fair. Um, yeah. You know. And in, the, in the geek uh, podcasting uh, community, or at least the niche that I'm in, Twitter followers really don't equal listeners at all because I know, like, the number of Twitter followers that we have is way lower than the number of people that download the podcast regularly. And, you know, I know the numbers for the Incomparable Network are in the, you know, tens of thousands. And the number of followers for the podcast itself is, like, stupidly low. I mean, (laughs) it's pretty funny. So I think, at least in, in my corner of the podcasting world, that doesn't get you very far. Having a lot of Twitter followers really isn't going to buy anything um, because it's really the, the the download numbers that, that is what counts, especially if you're advertising and selling ads. Yeah, Nobody cares se- about Twitter. It's usually secondary to the content of your podcast. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it's nice to have followers, but at the end of the day, you want subscribers. And it's interesting from an editorial point of view, you're talking about really drumming up interesting guests who have their own following that can spread the news about building the future, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's worked for me. Yeah. Like, I get, like, I'm not, I think the, the thing is, is, like, I'm more appealing to the general public than, like, niches in, in a lot of cases, right? And I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just I've known guys, like, I interviewed a guy a while ago where he just podcasts, and he's in Mississippi, and he started a podcast with a local um, pipe and pipe tobacco shop. And their show, like, took off. And so now there's this, like, tiny little shop in Mississippi that ships worldwide because they podcast. And they get maybe a few hundred listens a month, which isn't bad by any stretch. But for, like, this tiny little niche and this little store in Mississippi that, like, it's incredible for them. And they go to these, like, trade shows and they travel globally. And they're this, like, global brand now in that space. And it's awesome for them. Right? Local advertisers. Listen to Kevin. It's a good thing to give podcasters money because then they can make you famous, right, Brandon? <laughs> um, sort of a, a, a note kind of in between the buying uh, followers and, and earning them uh, type of thing. Um, I do absolutely, uh, what I've seen, I do absolutely encourage what you're interested in, go finding those people totally as followers and uh, as as crass as this part sounds, uh, it is very important uh, to not just follow them, but see uh, a couple of other things and like them every now and then. Totally. Because at the yeah. very least, it creates uh, uh, this sense of familiarity yeah. that you, you're you listening to them and, and you're hearing them and you appreciate them. And that in turn makes them feel more comfortable with like, oh, this person is is speaking to my interests and uh, they seem to like me. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. And like that can grow your podcast by like two, three, four, five hundred plus listens a month just by interacting with people on Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually interacting, if it's the kind of podcast where you can do it, yeah. sort of interacting in the podcast itself is actually an even better way because like I said, we have way more listeners than we do Twitter followers. So just the fact that we, we do giveaways and stuff where we you know, are somewhat interacting with people or let put a poll up online to say, you know, which episode do you want us to do a commentary track for? You know, that kind of thing. If you, if you have any kind of 
give and take with the audience. You know, you don't have to have guests on your podcasts from the audience, but if you do something that shows that you are engaging with them and that you actually care that they are out there listening, sure. uh, that's a really helpful thing too. I've also done a few shows on Blab. I don't know if anybody's familiar or heard of Blab, but I did a few shows just well, actually, I did a show about Blab and Periscope on Blab. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I ever did it, and I thought, well, makes sense to mm-hmm. do it. And, you know, that generated, I think those shows got listened to by 150-plus people just when we were talking. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of the girl I was interviewing. She's She's got a couple shows on Blab. But this was Saba Siddiqui. Yeah, yeah. So if you can get um, somebody that's known on a social network, you can really grow your listener base. And like, I still have to edit the show for FM radio and then as a podcast, but yeah, okay. I leaked the show a couple weeks early, but who cares really? Right. For me, it doesn't really matter because most of my listeners are FM to be hundred percent honest with you compared to the podcast. So if somebody listens, um, a couple weeks before it airs on in Atlanta, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. Having somebody that's well known, find your podcast and, and, and help you promote it is, I mean, that's, that's not something that you can exactly work toward because there's a lot of luck involved in that. Um, I, the, the single biggest bump that we had, which was very significant was when we got, uh, retweeted, um, or, and commented on by Merlin Mann, who is a pretty well, I think at the time he had like 300,000, um, Twitter followers. And I was just like, I was like, who is this guy? Cause I had never heard of him. And, <laughs> and then, you know, looked at him and now we're actually like online pals. But, um, so I like looked at our numbers and I was like, okay, clearly he's somebody. And, and that was, that was like the biggest, the biggest thing. And I think it goes right back to what you were saying about the fact that you have to focus on making a really quality podcast, because if we wouldn't have had a really good episode that week that he happened to listen to, there's no way he would have said anything about it. So, um, it is important to get your voice out there and, and promote, 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 but don't do it at the expense of the quality of the thing that you are creating, because really that has to be the nucleus of everything else that comes out of it. Um, just in the comedian space, Dan, can you tell how much overlap there is between your club audience and your podcast audience? Do you feel like podcasting is growing the number of coming out to see you in the clubs or that the clubs are like that there's people in the room are saying, oh, I want to hear more of that. I'm going to subscribe to the podcast. Or are they two different worlds? Um, we don't really know. We don't really know right now. Um, we don't, we plug certain things on the podcast. If we're going out of town, uh, we'll mention shows or we'll mention our Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or something like that. And then any guests we have on, we'll mention their stuff. But for, um, people that come out to shows and listen to the podcast, we haven't seen, we don't have, we haven't seen an overlap. Like yeah. we don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe there are people that come to both, but we don't know which first you know what I mean like if people are coming to our shows consistently um, usually they will listen to the podcast but so far we haven't seen anybody that listens to the podcast that goes like oh I heard you talk about this Um, I think Alex maybe has but personally I haven't yeah so I think the other thing to do to generate for is try to cover events or that's worked really well for me is like I've had people say well you want to come to my conference and interview people it's like, sure, I'll bring my laptop, a couple of mics, and we'll we'll set up and record some episodes, right? Yeah. And, I, and that's worked really well because you're getting anybody that's attending that event, getting traffic to, to your site and listening to your kind of podcast as well. And then it's a nice way to kind of travel a little bit, too, if you like to travel. 
that's in your space as well. Yeah, actually, that's that's a huge thing. And it's not that I've gone to conventions to cover them. It's just that I've gone to conventions as a fan to participate. Um, but that's also been really helpful for podcast promotion because, you know, if I go to a, a Doctor Who or a genre convention and, you know, I'm on a panel talking about season nine of Doctor Who, you know, at the beginning and the end of the podcast or at the beginning and the end of the panel, you know, you talk about who you are and, you know, what you do while you're there. So you get to talk about the podcast and put your name out there and, you know, always bring business cards or bracelets or ribbons or whatever kind of stuff is going on at the convention you happen to be at. And then, you know, mention, you know, oh, I've got business cards. If anybody wants to come up and talk afterwards, make it clear that you are open to, you know, if if you're the kind of personality who can handle that, if, if you're introverted, sure. that's that's cool too. <laughs> but, but it has, I've gotten a lot of people, um, you know, coming up to me afterwards saying, I've never heard of your podcast. It sounds really awesome. I'd love to listen, you know, give them a card and then get an email three weeks later. Oh my God, it's so great. I just downloaded your whole back catalog. <laughs> yes, that's what you're looking for. <laughs> I think it also nice, is nice to have t-shirts too with that are that generates like yeah like that's perfect no, I, like it's i've done it at conferences before and like people will stop you and then you have this conversation with them and you're right you're just like okay well here check it out montreal yeah. sauce is a good conversation starter yeah, yeah. So, totally right <laughs> people just think i like steak <laughs> that is important like at uh, one of the the big doctor who conventions does they people bring ribbons that you can attach to your to your card and like everybody everybody brings ones with you know quotes from Doctor Who and stuff and the second year that we did it we forgot to put Verity Podcast on the ribbon anywhere it was just a, it was just a quote it was a quote from the podcast but it didn't have any like identifying features on it so while it was a cool thing it was one of those sort of like inside club cool things because there were you know lots of people walking around these ribbons and probably only you know a third of them actually knew what it meant so <laughs> remember that when you're creating stuff put your name on it um so I'll come back to you Dan on on the northern content network because you and Alice could have just kept doing your podcast and kept gone along but then yep. you and uh, Dan Taylor from mm-hmm. 30 minute week decided let's make a network so why I mean there's tons of networks out there already like Nerdist has a really good one um pretty much any like major podcast that I listen to there's you always hear the same ads and like yep <laughs> like me undies and uh Squarespace is a big one yeah exactly yeah like people all know them so like there's there's networks that use the same um companies for all their ads and all that kind of stuff and so I was like well there's a few things in Canada like that there's uh, a really nice one on in uh, Vancouver that Graham Clark does it's a very popular one it's called stop podcasting yourself there's one in Toronto called Talkhole, and there's another one I can't remember, but there wasn't really anything in between that we liked, that we saw, so we were just, we were all sitting around talking about podcasting, and Alex asked me to come on as, as his co-host, and Dan Taylor and Ben Prue mentioned they were going to be starting a political one, and I said, well, we should, we should just start a network, because there really isn't anything here for that, and they, they everyone just said, yeah, sure, let's do it, and then I think a few weeks later, we had the site up, and we changed a few times since then, but it uh, it was just like we we see all this talent like in the city like there's amazing stuff going on for everybody like like an Aquin podcast that's amazing and that's an amazing niche market like it is like people that love horses wear shirts to say I love horses hashtag <laughs> it's uh, the most expensive hobby in the world I think right something like that. <laughs> But it's an amazing talent. It's an amazing niche to find, and we just saw a lot of that in the comedy community. And then we knew that there was more stuff out there like that, so we just wanted to be able to direct, you know, our friends and family and anybody else that was interested to a, a central spot, just like a 
I don't know, like a podcast phone book, basically. Mm -hmm. Just say, like, look at all this cool stuff that's out there. Try to help uh, local people get their stuff recognized, so. I think even to add that, there's a lot of networks, even, like, down south, that are looking for content, too. And if you can pitch them and say, here, can I be on your network? You'd be surprised at how many of them are like, sure, they're always looking for content. And then you can kind of grow your audience outside of Edmonton. Like, I don't really care about medium or kind of geographically where I am. Like, I want to be on all the mediums and I want to be heard in as many places as possible. So for me, it's like, it sounds bad to say, but I don't know how to say it any other way. But Edmonton's kind of too small. Like, I don't really... No, it is. Care, I guess. Like, any one like, city is too small. Yeah, right? Like, I don't really care. I would say that even about any city. It's like, I want to be heard as many places as possible and I'm as many mediums as possible. And trying to get, you know, a global kind of audience is, like, my ideal goal. And in some ways, I love talking to people. Like, I talked to this guy in, like, Malta. Has anybody heard of Malta before? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay, well. That's like the first time I've been talking where people are like, where? So you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. But, but like, I love that. Like, it's snowing outside and he's like, yeah, I'm just looking at the Mediterranean right now. And it's like this beautiful day. I'm just like, I love that, right? That to me is fascinating that you just like talk to people around the world. And that's, that's one of the points. Well, if, if you do want to just stay local, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think for a lot of people, one of the points of podcasting is the fact that your voice is out there all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a Doctor Who podcast, it would really suck if nobody in the UK was listening. So, sure. like, it's, you know, we've got one of our hosts is from there. So it's it's nice that, you know, it's fun to look at those download numbers from, totally. like, yeah, there are, you know, I have heard of Malta, but there are countries that I hadn't heard of. And yeah. I was like, wow, somebody in, you know, whatever it was, see, I've forgotten already because I don't know the country, um, <laughs> has downloaded us. And that's just, it's a, it's a kind of a cool thrill. So it's very sensible what you're all saying, but I'm going to be me and say sure. that, that I think there's also space for local and, oh, for sure. mm-hmm. and so my particular bent and, and my interest in starting a different kind of network from mm-hmm. Northern Content Network, but I think we can be well, we're, uh, work with each other. Yeah, well we we like local right now. Um, we're primarily Edmonton. There's a couple people from Calgary and a few of I think one or two from Kelowna. So like right now we're focusing on Canada because we we love the Canadian stuff and we think that it's underutilized and under-recognized mm-hmm. and underappreciated, not like most Canadian entertainment is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really want to kind of add some form of legitimacy, hopefully, for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're not against, like, the local stuff. We think the local stuff is amazing. We're actually working with a local company right now doing, like, a test run for, um, like, a new uh, accounting app that they're putting out. So... Uh, we definitely want to focus on that now. If it blossoms into something else, that'd be great. But, um, yeah, for right now, we just want to... I feel like the the local stuff is something that, yeah, underutilized is a great word because mm-hmm. a lot of the people who have gotten into podcasting have been like us, who have just yeah. been like, I just want to throw my voice everywhere. Um, but there's, there's so much cool stuff happening in every city and community that, um, you know, now that newspapers are not as strong as they were, um, you know, you don't get people chatting on the street quite as much as you used to, especially in the yeah, advent of headphones and stuff. Uh, I think podcasting is a really interesting way to pull communities together and to strengthen those local ties. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that has been done a whole lot yet. So it's really exciting that you guys are at the forefront of, of making that happen for Edmonton. Yeah, I think yeah. coming back to your point about we're just at the beginning, I think there's lots of different solutions to a lot of these media problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even trying to partner up with 
local organizations too to promote mm-hmm. what they're doing in your niche and like for me um i just partnered with startup atlanta which is basically what startup edmonton does and so they're coming up in the next few months and i'm actually going down to record a bunch of them um they're just giving me great guests right and i could just like show up and just bang out a bunch of episodes over a day because there's a big they have a big building there where there's i think 700 startups yeah so they're gonna be like okay here's our top like 10 record them and i'll just be like okay come down and we'll record right so I, i think that's a good way to kind of break into the community that you're a part of as well yeah for sure okay I want to leave time for questions from the audience. So uh, my last uh, two more questions for you guys. First is just share what's the number one thing that you've learned about promoting your podcast that you would recommend to somebody, particularly someone who's just recently started and wants to get off the ground. Be nice. I'm not kidding. Yeah, oh, just the, the fact that, that our podcast is known for like it's just the way that hosts get along with each other and along with other people. That's like the biggest thing that we keep hearing is that it's, you know, all the dealings that we have with people, whether it be in social media or when people meet us in person are like, oh, they're just they're just nice, regular people. So don't lose that in, in, in service of trying to to build your brand. I think for me, I do pre-interviews with everybody before they're on the show. And if they won't do it, I won't have them on the, the show. And I've had two people out of... And the, the podcast launched, launched August 17th, just so you have some time frame. I've had two people in that period of time say they don't want to do that. And then I'm like, you're not on the show. And both of them, I'm kind of disappointed. But that's one thing that... Because I've had people where I have these pre-interview calls with them. And they have this like crazy impressive background. Like I'm like, I can't even believe I'm having a conversation with you right now. Well, we can't even hold a conversation for five minutes. Yeah. Um, the other thing, sorry, you said one, um, <laughs> is grow your social media presence across a bunch of networks because like I've gotten so many good guests through like LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and you know, that's where I get a lot of my good guests. And then I'm super picky um, with who I kind of have on the show and for a handful of different reasons, you know, sometimes they're just like, well, you're not really what I'm looking to cover or, you know, I'm a little bit pickier with that kind of stuff. Right. And I guess in the sense that if you can be, I think you should maybe. And I think at the beginning, you almost need to be a bit pickier right? because it sets the tone for your whole show. And then you bit of um, we just we just kind of copy the successful stuff like there's. <laughs> There's enough successful people out there that, you know, you don't have to try to think outside the box all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we still try to do that. Um, so, I mean, like, hashtags are super useful. You can do, like, mm-hmm. a clickbait type thing where you just <laughs> put a weird controversial topic in your title and then that draws people's attention. <clears throat> we try not to be, like... Yeah, don't overdo it with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's season it in here and there. But, yeah, you know, minute 58 will amaze you. <laughs> <laughs> you won't believe what happened next. Exactly. We don't do stuff like that, but, you know... Um, and then also like social media, it's so easy to get, um, all those platforms covered, uh, between like Hootsuite, um, Crowdfire. Yeah. You can get everything out there in a couple of minutes. You know, it, it, you you might spend an hour on it every week besides like recording and it's, it's, uh. It just adds to the legitimacy of who you are. So, and I think just to add a couple, there's a product hunt called, has a podcast section. Posting to that gets you some listeners. Um, in my space, I can post to uh, 
uh, Hacker News, and there's a Designer News one, so I post some stuff that's relevant to those. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really useful is there's a lady out of Toronto called My Podcast Notes, and you basically submit her your podcast notes, a link to your episode, and she features you kind of on her, her site as well. And that's generated some listens for me and, well, subscribers is kind of a weird thing, right? Yeah. I was like, whatever that means. But mm-hmm. um, that's generated some traffic and listens for sure. So there's a handful of those kind of out there that I think. We submit to Reddit as well. I yeah, think. Reddit's yeah. another good Try one. Try not to put too much because they don't really like it. But No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that in the Doctor Who forums and wow, you will get slapped down fast. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. But there's Especially a pod- if you're a girl. There's, a, there's two podcasting forums that they say, like, don't just, like, over-promote your show. But if you do have mm-hmm. podcasts, like, go ahead and post it. And that, that helped us a little bit as well, I think. So. Okay, my last question is what's next. So, Dan, what's coming up for... Um, the Northern Content Network and or Worst Podcast Ever? Um, Well, like I said, we're doing a test run with a local um, accounting company that has an app out for income taxes just to kind of see the influence of our listenership over that kind of thing. We're also doing some rebranding with like a a business type manager guy that we uh, came in contact with. He's going to be kind of helping us rebrand from the Worst Podcast Ever into something a little bit more <laughs> a little bit more family friendly, basically. Uh, we like the name of the worst podcast ever, and we might keep it, but doing two podcasts a week, we're not really sure if we want to do that. So, we're going to be doing some rebranding uh, for that, and then also focusing a little bit more on the marketing side of it. So, hopefully, that uh, that goes well. Excellent. Erica, next for you. Um, I'm going to try not to start any more podcasts anytime real soon, um, because I'm actually job hunting right now and I'm going to have a full-time job, I hope soon. So, uh, Verity just started, every year we do a theme, so probably the, the newest thing for this year is just the new theme for 2016. We do, we're doing firsts this year, so we're looking at the first series of Doctor Who that came, as it came back in 2005 and the first season of Doctor Who as it started in 1963 and then sprinkled in with a whole bunch of like, you know, what was your first Doctor Who novel that you read or what was the first time you cosplayed or any of that kind of stuff to, to bring in just extra fun. Excellent. And you're going to be on TV. Yep. Turn the show into a TV show. So I film the week of March 7th in Atlanta. Very Congratulations. Cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 12 minutes of media training. Yep. And day, day yeah. training. But it's funny because it's recorded at this house in the living room because it's just like two chairs side by side. Which is. I always pictured this like late night thing, but of course it's not that. <laughs> you can follow Seen and Heard in Edmonton on Facebook at Seen and Heard in Edmonton. We're also on Twitter at Seen and Heard Yeg. And the best way to stay up to date with everything that we're doing is to subscribe to the newsletter. The sign-up form is at seenandheardyeg.com, and that way you can get a weekly newsletter that tells you the best blogs and podcasts that Edmonton has to offer and gives you a heads up on all the opportunities to get together with other local media makers in real life and online. I'll be back in a week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 